It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from Journal.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 45 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I know, something about 45 just sounds like we've hit a milestone, which we really haven't. Maybe when we hit 100... Or 50, but 45, I don't know, maybe because it's just a breakdown of the minutes. 45 minutes is the thing. It is. So there we go. We have a thing going on. (laughs) We've been getting some great feedback from listeners, some new, and some of those who've been hanging with us from the beginning. Things were definitely a little unpolished, I should say, when we kicked things off, and I think we've done a decent job of finding our groove. We'll continue growing and settling in, of course, so a simple thanks to everyone listening and for all your feedback going on out there. We greatly appreciate it. With the craziness that happened the past couple of weeks and the latest incident with Banjo's medical emergency, I completely forgot we had a listener question that I wanted to throw out and share. At Claudius underscore 19 asked the following question. I really hated the redesign of Barbosa's look in the fourth movie and what we're seeing in the trailer for Dead Men Tell No Tales. What is your standpoint on this? So I'll give my short answer and then I'll let Heather respond and then that way she doesn't have to follow up on some crazy long explanation that I might have. So let me just start off with saying, I agree. What do you think, Heather? <laughs> That's it? <laughs> That's it. Really? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I have an explanation behind mine. Well, and I... a reason for it. So I just wanted to get your feedback. I agree also. You got to give me more than that, though. <laughs> I wanted to see if that would work, no, actually. No, it doesn't work for you. It only works for me. <laughs> I I'm think... Captain Barbosa here, and that doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Me thinks that Barbosa's outfit in The Curse of the Black Pearl is actually more fitting than the future movies in On Stranger Tides, where it's more it's more military. It's got that brocade look yeah, to it. That it does. And it's got that, you know, the stuffiness blue, of it. Yeah. It's just He doesn't it's look just right not, in it. No, it's not fitting. I don't know if it's because it completely changed his look. Yeah, I don't know if it's because we're used to seeing him dressed as a pirate with the other outfit, or is it just that this one is so stiff and not fitting of his personality and who he is? I think that's it, actually. I mean, you that's know? probably why it comes off as so stodgy if you will. Stodgy. It just doesn't fit right. Right. So I did have to look into why the hell they would do that. Okay. But we actually already know because we've seen the other movies. So we're not really sticking to just the Curse of the Black Pearl here. We're actually going to talk about why they actually changed the outfit. Okay. So there is an actual reason behind it, as I was just saying. And his switch was beyond just the need to shake things up from one movie to the next. It commonly happens, and usually that's maybe for the worse. Right. But in the case of On Stranger Tides, where we see this shift in outfit, Barbosa, through unknown circumstances, received a royal pardon and became a reformed pirate, serving as a privateer in the employ of England. Oh... As time passed, departing from his pirate ways, and he had this kind of seemingly new respect for authority, Barbosa had won the trust of the British crown. 
And this ex-pirate soon became a trusted advisor of King George II and was given command as captain of the HMS Providence, the pride of the British Royal Navy. If you actually think back to On Stranger Tides, and I know we've really been focusing on Curse of the Black Pearl, he is actually this privateer in the movie that's going after Blackbeard and helping Captain Jack Sparrow, all these kinds of things. So he is dressed the part of a privateer and somebody who's in kind of the Royal Navy, if you want to say that. I see. So that's why he actually does it. He wears a wig in that movie as well. He has a wig at some point. But what happens is at the end of the movie, he goes back aboard the Queen Anne's Revenge when Blackbeard is, say, no longer with us. And so Barbosa takes the ship, if you remember. It's at this time that Barbosa changes into his full pirate regalia again. But it's just at the end of the movie. As Barbosa took the ship's helm, the cabin boy approached him with an old brim black hat. And that's the very hat Barbosa had lost in the battle which he found below decks. So then Barbosa takes the hat and flips it as he places it on top of his head. He then draws his new sword, which is Blackbeard's sword, causing all the rigging and the lines to whip through the air and the sails to unfurl, and they go about their business. That makes sense then. Well, yeah, because Barbosa he became this notorious pirate captain once again after kind of being a privateer. And then also in that scene on Stranger Tides, he reaches into his coat and pulls out the letters or these kind of letters that, from the crown. And he rips them up saying that the crown has served him well. And he told his crew that they're on to their next destination, which is Tortuga. And so he becomes this pirate again, going on these pirate adventures. So basically the blue outfit with the brocade on it was too stuffy for him also. <laughs> That's right. Right. Exactly. You know, if he's of going back to his old outfit and old style at the end of the movie, it was just too stuffy for him also. Once a Plus, pirate, always a pirate. <laughs> Plus it wasn't the free of being pirate. Well, there's a lot of symbolism there. Right. That's why he cha- he not only changes outfit, he rips up the papers yeah. that basically that he was a privateer working for the British Crown, had the HMS Providence, all that stuff. He rips it up and says, yeah, I'm going free as a pirate again. As for the fifth installment that's coming out, Dead Men Tell No Tales, we have to wait for the new movie to get the final details on why Barbosa is getting back into what appears to be these kind of Royal Marine or Royal Navy, Royal Crown, whatever you want to call it, garb again. We don't want to get into too many spoilers there, but yeah, we'll see what happens when that movie comes out, why there is a change again in his appearance. Yes. But at least we can take satisfaction in knowing that there was a reason behind it and that he changed back into his pirate outfit, which is where we wanted him to be in the first place. Because the brocade was not him. That's right. So in general, the moral to the story is Captain Barbosa the privateer's look cannot compete with Captain Barbosa the pirate. No, not one bit. Nope. There you go. So thanks for the question at Claudius underscore 19. We appreciate it. In the previous minute, Will Turner succumbs to stereotypes and makes the wild assumption that Jack must know where the Black Pearl is going to be simply because he is a pirate, and of course, all scallywags know each other. But when the eye patches on the other eye, he himself takes offense when Jack asks if he wants to turn pirate. Captain Jack Sparrow reveals that they may be headed to the uncharted Isla de Muerta and discovers that this ever-vigilant blacksmith's apprentice name is Will Turner. A moniker short for William, I imagine. Undoubtedly a good strong name. And I'd even venture to guess he was named after his father. (laughs) Possibly. Minute 45 begins with Will Turner answering Jack's question about his father's name with a simple yes. Well, Mr. Turner, I've changed me mind. If you spring me from this cell, I swear on pain of death, I shall take you to the Black Pearl in your bonny lass. 
The minute ends with Captain Jack Sparrow saying, This girl, how far are you willing to go to save her? To which Will replies, I'd die for her, as they are both overlooking the Royal British Navy docks and discussing which ship to steal. I mean, commandeer. Because <laughs> that's a nautical term. <laughs> exactly. We're all about the nautical terms here. All about the right, nautical Nady? terms. Yep. So where do you want to go? Not Tortuga or anything like that, but where do you actually want to go with the minute? We're going to start in the beginning. When Will says yes, All right, so take me there. our scheming little pirate, Mr. Jack, knows something here. We may have discussed this in the last minute, actually. Yeah. Do you recall? Uh-huh. Oh, see, I'm going back and I don't know what's going on again. <laughs> so anyway, Jack knows something. He's agreeing to go along with Will on his adventure here. To save the precious young lass. Yeah, I've changed me mind. If you spring me from this cell, I swear on pain of death, I shall take you to the black pearl in your bonnie lass. This is all because now that Jack knows Will Turner is the son of Bootstrapville Turner, there is now a profit in it for him and he's ready to help Will, which in Sparrow speak means he's really there to help himself. Yeah. Heather was just right. We had talked about a lot of this last minute or the last episode. It's just worth pointing out again that the curse and all the stories have now been shown to be true, which means Jack once again has the leverage he needs. It's Will Turner, which is what Barbosa and the cursed crew need. He's actually getting exactly what he wants. He has the leverage because he has the know-how. And we're getting the classic trickster again, this Bugs Bunny figure, this running trickster theme that we've been talking about throughout most of the movie when we've been introduced to Jack. Uh-huh. And so I think it's something that we're going to continually see through this. And we did talk a little bit about it in the last minute, but it's rearing its ugly head again. In the gin parallel, too, we talked about the genie and how the way that they work deals. And we discussed this as far as their having loopholes in their deals, if you will. Right. And so Barbosa, the dark trickster, as we called him, pulled a similar deal with Elizabeth saying, you give us the medallion and we basically put our rudder to your town and we're never to return. Never. But then that deal didn't include a boat ride ashore for Elizabeth. So that was the whole trickster part of it. And we discussed that in depth. So now we have Jack the light trickster also making a dubious deal to the detriment to Will. Jack promises to take him to Elizabeth and the Black Pearl. And he clearly states that to Will. But he fails to tell Will that in all likelihood it could really be the end of him since a turner is needed to end the curse. So we don't see, this is basically we see that whole trickster thing again. We have to bring it up because we're talking about it. We said it'll get lost. So yeah, some spoilers are going to happen as we're talking about this freaking curse. It's such a complicated curse. Why does that have to keep showing up? That's a big spoiler though. No, but they know that, I didn't say what had to happen. I just said in all likelihood. So I wasn't, I was just throwing it out there that maybe that's going to happen because they did take Elizabeth because she was a turner. We did see that in the previous minute. So is that too much information? Maybe. Heather's giving me the look like you just ruined everything. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! And this is our last episode of The Curse. (laughs) We all know that pirates are motivated by self-interest and greed. And obviously, Jack is showing this I guess you're a pirate then, huh? No, you are, though. Ah! There's no denying people. (laughs) 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 I have a question for you on this. Yes. Even if Will knew all the details to this deal, this behind the scenes detail, do you think he still would have struck an accord with Jack? Yeah, because he said he'd die for. I do too. And I think he would have just, no matter what, gone along with it and said, you know what, I'll figure the rest of it out later, what's going to happen. Or he would simply just give his life to save hers. We've already established that he's a rash young blacksmith. 
blacksmith apprentice anyways too rash, too rash. by the He's way too rash yet. i really loved your big explanation there of yes i do now let's move along. It's like, <laughs> do you realize we got a, a radio show here? There's a, a podcast show going on. You know, we're over the airwaves. We're supposed to talk about this stuff, not just go, yes, no, arr. Arr. <laughs> The details she provides are uncanny sometimes, aren't they? The insight. I, I said more than that. I you said did? yes, because he says he'd die for her. Well, there you go. So I did. Okay. Elaborate some. I believe in that you. explains right there that he's going. He would do anything for her That's to save true. her. That's true. So he would have gone along anyways, right? Yeah, there you go. See, it didn't need a larger explanation. It was there. I guess every everybody understood it out there. Walk the plank. Jack asked, "Do we have an accord?" And they both agree and shake hands. Now, shaking hands serves as a binding contract among the illiter- illiterate. A shaking of hands. I think we're seeing evidence of an illiterate. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Radio edit. I think I'm in trouble now. (laughs) As we're talking factoids here, I looked up on pain of death idiom. At one time, this idiom was invoked with death as the penalty, and that's a usage that is largely hyperbolic today, but it had its origins in the late 1300s, and I didn't really find out much more information than that, which was really sad because I was really hoping to find it somewhere. So I had to move on to Bonnie Lass. Those are some mighty big words you're saying there, sir. We're just mere pirates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's a couple of pieces that actually connect this these two words together, if you will. One of them is an original piece of Scottish folk song. It's called the Bonnie Lasso Fivey, or Fivey, however you say it. We'll just stick, I'll just leave both of them in there, and then that way at least one of them is correct. (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. And it was first printed in about 1794 in a version that was already largely corrupted by word of mouth. So I didn't really get an origin of how far back it really goes. But for Jack to be saying Bonnie Lass... It may actually come from a famous English ballet entitled My Bonnie Lass, She Smileth, written by Thomas Morley and published in 1595 in his first book of ballets to five voices. So that's what I have. Maybe 1595, but the words themselves go back further than that. Just together is where I was really looking to find that those two were actually first put together. And then that's maybe where they became something that Jack would use. So I didn't really get anywhere. Again, some more kind of useless trivia out there. Now, Bonnie Lass actually made me think of the song, My Bonnie Lives Over the Ocean, was, uh-huh. which was actually published as sheet music in 1881. Yeah, 1881? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be too late, though. Yeah, that would be way after. That's 140 years after where we're taking yeah. place. But Bonnie was, you know, kind of a pretty handsome woman, I think, as I recall from the definition, or pretty handsome Something like that. And then you have Lass, which is, say, a woman or a girl. Yeah. It just made me think of it because he's trying to get Elizabeth back. The song is Bring Back My Bonnie to Me to Me. You know, so it kind of of went together. Maybe that's what the writers intended. They were just thinking about that. Yeah. And as Will is trying to get back Elizabeth, thanks for that help with the transition there, Heather. Yeah. Will removes the cell door with the famous half-barrel hinges that we all come to love and enjoy now. Everybody's going to be going around saying, hey, are those half-barrel hinges there? (laughs) But he immediately says when the door drops, hurry, someone will have heard that. And you know what my first thought was? There's no one to hear it. Really? (laughs) My first thought is, really? I mean, he managed to get into the jail with no guards. 
And given the movement of bodies and tending to wounded, planning a reprisal, I'm thinking the only one that probably heard or cared about what was going on in this jail was the key. And by the key, I mean the prison dog. (laughs) And if there does happen to be a new guard posted and he's anything like the previous one who didn't hear the cannonball breach the wall, (laughs) a cell door falling on the ground, it's like pure silence to this guy. (laughs) Clearly, you can blast a cannon and hit the wall and nobody will come running in. But a cell door falls off, we better hurry up. (laughs) Then there's also something a little awkward about the way Will is just standing there when he says it. It's, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it didn't really ring true to form with me. It's like he kind of stepped back when it fell, and he's kind of just hanging out there watching Jack saying that. It's not like he's getting prepared to run out the door, which is what I kind of thought he might do, some of his actions. I don't know. The actions just seem a little weird to me or wanky. Maybe he felt he needed to wait for Jack to take the lead. Maybe. You know, he was moving the door out of the way. He was being the polite gentleman that Will is and letting the older gentleman lead the way and go in front of him. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. I I don't know. I just didn't. Something about the way his movement was awkward and it just didn't really ring like true to form. If you're really trying to say that, hurry, we got to get out of here. You'd be going. You'd be doing something a little bit different than what he was doing. I know Jack is getting out and getting his stuff and then moving along. But Will just, I don't know. I think it's almost like he didn't really know what to do. Or maybe the way they edited it, it was a little bit weird. Filming and it was a weird start or something. I don't know. But it just didn't ring reality to me. Maybe Orlando as the actor had to let... Well, you have to oh, let I the just, captain... I just went blank on Johnny's name. Had to let Johnny go in front of him because Johnny is a... The captain. Captain, yeah. Johnny's the star of the movie. Yeah. Maybe that's written into Johnny Depp's contract. That I have to watch He can her. never be behind anybody, even in the movie's character. Maybe. He always has to be there. Maybe. And they have to throw rose petals down when they run. <laughs> I mean, there's also the fact that Jack and Will are able to sneak or stroll out of Fort Charles and we just appear at the bridge. So it also backs up my hypothesis that the jail was not even a thought on anybody's mind. There's no guards. There's there's nobody around. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the jail. We're under the bridge. Nothing happened. I I don't know. I think that there could have been... Maybe there's a, a cut scene there or something, but... It just didn't seem, yeah, there's something wonky about that whole whole scene. Starting with when the when the cell door falls off, he says, hurry. I don't know. I think they should have changed that line to something else. Like, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get going. Let's go save Elizabeth. I don't know. Something that besides hurry, they're going to hear us or they may have heard that. Right. Someone would have, will have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. But Jack does walk in front of him to go get his effects. Well, he has to get that stuff. Yeah. I'm saying he walks in front oh. of him. So maybe, you know, Will is just standing back so he can walk He's and get his effects. He's just moving out of his way. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't want the pirate behind him. What if the pirate decides well, to stab him? Well, that's true. Him? You don't want the pirate behind you. Do you want a pirate behind your back? No. Exactly. You just okay. let him out of jail. Who knows what he's really going to do? Exactly. Can't that's trust true. a pirate. You're right. That's a good point, actually. He doesn't want... Maybe he's afraid Jack will just run off. Yeah. So he wants to keep an eye on him. That's right. a good point. Oh, we'll roll with that. That's good. We'll think that good. that is now canon, is that's why he did that. Now, when Jack gets his effects, did you see the keys on the wall? You mean at minute 44, 31? Yes. 
<laughs> no, I didn't see that. I just happened to pull that exact the time and second <laughs> the right time out of stamp. The, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can clearly see shackles and four or five keys dangling on the wall there. Yeah. Those look like jail cell keys to me. I, I don't know, but who knows? That was my question too. Are all of these five keys for the shackles that are there? I mean, there's not I don't I don't remember how many shackles are actually there, but there's four or five keys there. I mean, is it remotely possible that these are actually the jail cell keys and they're simply just hidden in plain sight? Well, uh, somebody, a researcher it's like around Andy here. Griffith, you know, they hang them right on the wall there. A researcher around here, when looking at the shackles, maybe should have checked out the keys or the locks in the shackles. Yeah, I should have looked at what the keys look like for actual shackles for yes. the 18th century, but I didn't, so I dropped the ball on that one. Oh, man. That'll have to be a follow-up, you know, maybe. But what I was thinking is that, like I said, this is an Andy Griffith kind of situation. These keys are just hanging or hiding in plain sight. And maybe the dog is a decoy. So this is my new conspiracy theory. The dog doesn't really have the real key to the cell. The dog is holding a key, mm. but he's there to give the prisoners something to do. It's like to waste their time. They're yeah. hanging out in the cell. They have nothing to do. The dog hangs out there. They think... Hey, we're going to try and entice the dog. The guards are all busting up laughing that these guys are sitting there all day. There's bones hanging around, so they obviously have some bones. So they're just like, let's see if they can entice the dog. And if anybody were to actually ever get the key, it wouldn't work because they're just sitting there freaking on the wall. Exactly. So a quick Google search. Those do not look like the keys for the shackles. Oh, really? Yes. If Heather is right, which relying on her Google searches, it's not really like set in stone. This is a quick and dirty one too, by the way. So it's quick and dirty Heather search, which is a whole new ball game <laughs> for anybody else on a Google search. They look like they're more round rather than a flat key. Like a... Oh, I see. Cylind- s- Cylindrical. Thank you. Should we handshake on this? Would, no. <laughs> <laughs> no oh i, I am not testing, the best google searcher ever but i was also testing your illiteracy because you're what you said earlier about you know the seriously <laughs> or maybe not no. that you are illiteracy it's i'm testing your literacy actually yeah. so maybe i need a handshake as well i i don't think those are the shackle keys I think they're the jail sales yes yeah see, i think that's right they're hiding in plain sight they're, they're, and they were just there they're you know, not flat keys. Well, also, I mean, does the dog not come to anybody or is it just one person or does he always know that pirates, I know we talked a lot about the dog. Otherwise, the, the people are always going to be trying to get the jail cell key from the dog as opposed to if they just said, you know, let's just put some on the wall. Let that dog have these jail cell keys. Well, the dog didn't come up to any of the other prisoners except Jack. That's well, that's And right. I, I'm thinking the only reason he came up to Jack is actually because he knows him. I know we talked about that. Quit rehashing. Well, yeah, that. but you're just asking. No, not about Jack. About the if the, pi- the prison if the guards. Prison, if the guards. Oh, if the dog goes up to the guards, yeah. maybe because they feed him. Possibly. I'm just saying it would be easier but yet to the get prisoners the prisoners had a bone. Be easier to get the keys off the wall than it would be to get the keys from the dog. Well, of course you're chasing the dog. That's around. what I'm saying. Look That's how my... hard it is to get something from Froggy or Banjo. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That the it would be much easier for them to say, let's just okay, we can't get the damn keys. Takes us ten minutes to get the keys from the dog. Just put some extras on the wall. Yeah. Pretend like they're not even there. Let's just hang some shackles there. They think they're for the shackles. <laughs> 
You know, so when they go to get the pirates, they're like, everybody turn around and close your eyes. And then they <laughs> grab them real quick and unlock the cell. And the, and the pirates aren't, you know, they're inside the cell, so they obviously can't reach the keys. And they don't expect any, they expect a guard to be out there. So nobody's going to be in there to hand the keys That's to right. the yeah. pirates anyway. So then we're under the bridge. We're out of the cell. We're mysteriously under the bridge. Stomping through the water. Why does Jack correct Will regarding the term commandeer? I mean, he says it's a nautical term, but why does he actually do that? Because he wants to make sure he's using nautical terms. <laughs> oh. They're commandeering a ship. You yeah. gotta say the proper... You gotta say the proper word? Yeah. You can't look We're like We're here a... to steal the ship, and everybody's just gonna be like, what the hell is he talking about? You can't look like a buffoon. So he basically doesn't want Will to look like a buffoon, so he's trying to train him yeah. in nautical terms here? Yeah. Because they're they're obviously, most likely, going to encounter... Somebody on the ship. Now, if you have Will going around saying they're stealing the ship and not commandeering it. It's kind of reminiscent of when they're sword fighting and he's kind of teaching or getting into his mind about how to sword fight and the training and what each of the steps are. Well, Will is older or um, Jack is older than Will. Maybe he feels like he mentor. Yeah. So to Will's he, now. Why is he trying to make piracy. a mentor? Yeah. So what's going on here? Why? I just don't. I don't really get that part. Because he's turning pirate. So he's teaching him the words. So he's basically, he is going to be his mentor. He's teaching him yeah. all the proper words and then he can go from there. He doesn't want his protege to be going around stealing and all the other pirates are laughing at him. Exactly. You want your protege to be laughed at? Will Turner, the nautical pirate. <laughs> Never said a pirate word. Is that what you're trying to tell me? That he doesn't want all the other pirates making fun of him? Yeah. I don't think I have an answer to that. If anybody knows why he may have done that, let us know what your theory is. He wants him to use the proper terms. I don't know. This is a potato, potato, tomato, tomato thing going on here. They're there plus, to steal a ship. We're not there to have an English lesson. Stealing sounds worse than commandeering. That's true. I'm here to commandeer your ship. I'm here to steal your ship, which sounds why, worse. Why, thank you, sir. Right. It's more Commandeering's a... I'm going to borrow your ship and Get bring out of your it back car. I'm going to commandeer it. All right. It sounds more official. Exactly. Okay. It's an official thing. Yeah. This is when Jack also asks Will how far he's willing to go for Elizabeth, which Will replies, I'll die for her. So I think there's two meanings here that I see. He's in it for the long haul to complete the mission. Jack basically doesn't have to worry since Will will do whatever it takes to get Elizabeth, which means Jack has someone he can trust and trust not by friendship or honoring this accord that they made in the jail cell, but trust because he's not necessarily going to put elizabeth and harm or jeopardize her right and, and the second part that i had to that or the second meaning i'm just jumping in there so you argh, go ahead is that jack knows it may just come down to will having to give his life to save elizabeth and it's not like by accident but where will is actually going to have to make a conscious choice to do so or do so willingly with barbosa in order to trade mm. for elizabeth so as part of this potential deal jack can negotiate for the black pearl so i'm thinking you know he's figuring out how far is this guy willing to go? Because Jack has a plan. We've already seen the brain ticking and yeah. the wheel turning. He's already formulated a plan. He knows they need a turner. He's trying to see how far can I really take this thing to, to move this forward and have that leverage. He doesn't want somebody that's going to chicken out on him. He wants to know exactly. It's the chess game again. Jack is looking at Will as just a chess piece. And he knows exactly what moves Will is going to make. And so therefore he can make his moves as well. Right. Will says I'll die for her. And Jack says oh good. Well, that's Did he pretty seem tough. a little excited about the, the oh good? Well that's because it falls right into his plan. He's all okay. He's all that's You're exactly right. what I wanted to hear. 
Yeah, I don't really have much more kind of breakdown of the minute, but I did have some interesting behind the scenes stuff regarding Port Royal Harbor that we're seeing here in the town. So I thought I'd just share a little of that information. It's pretty cool, actually. Please do. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like I pushed a button and she just says, will do. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Adios. (laughs) Are there, matey? There's actually no Heather here. It really is all me. I'm just throwing voices. I'm pushing buttons. It's just a lone show. Anyways, man, trying to get back on track where I was. Just insane. This It's an everyday thing with her. So the scene, the harbor, the town, it was built at Walla Labu Bay on St. Vincent. And the dock and the facade actually have all been left there. Can you say that again, please? I'm not even know if I'm... Walla Labu Bay. It appears that much of the set was built around Walla Labu Anchorage, which is a hotel and restaurant. I did a little checking up on the hotel and restaurant and found out the hotel rooms were used as green rooms for the actors. The hotel, restaurant, shops, and customs offices were actually made into the village of Port Royal. They said the whole bay was bustling with hundreds of cast and crew for the duration of the filming. For tourist reasons, they actually decided to keep the set and to try and preserve it and are constantly in the process of restoration. Oh, wow. There's a whole pirate picture museum which was made inside the main Pirates of the Caribbean Disney set building. It's full of photos of the buildings, of the set, the stars, and according to them, much, much more. And then they've also created a lot of tourist things that kind of are reminiscent of Disneyland, like photo ops. You can slip into original costumes or pirate costumes. Stand inside coffins or even next to some of the cannons out there. You can actually go to wallalaboo.com, I think is what it was called. And you can see some of the current photos. And they also have a Flickr account that shows what things actually look like now and how that they've been keeping things up. It's actually really cool. You probably don't know, but I'm going to ask you anyways. The pictures that are in the museum, is that what you said? Do you know if Jerry Bruckheimer was the one that actually took some of those photos? Because he went through during the whole taping of the movie and just took photos of... He's a real big photographer. He just took photos of all different kinds of things in the movies. And also when they were like on breaks and just sitting around in costume, just waiting for things to go on. I don't know, but I think I might go there. And when I come back, I'll let you know what was actually in there. Thank you. I actually tweeted them just to let them know that they, you know, I was going to do a mention of them on the show. Yeah. And then maybe I can find out some more information. But it was funny because their last tweet, which was actually just the other day, said, come watch the Pirates of the Caribbean film at the place they filmed Pirates of the Caribbean. So they're obviously having like a movie night or something there in one of the buildings, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But it really looks sweet. You can check out their website, wallalaboo.com. And they have some photos posted there. Like I said, there's also a link to their Flickr account, which has some more photos. But it actually looks pretty spectacular. It looks like a lot of fun to be able to visit there and walk through the town. So maybe we can have a connection with them and they'll say, yeah, thanks for mentioning us on your show. Here's a two-week stay for one that I get to go and then I can bring back some photos and videos for you so you'll be able to enjoy it too. That would be absolutely awesome. Sounds like a plan. So I don't have anything Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan for me anyways. (laughs) I'm thinking that maybe this is a good listener contest, that somebody else could get to go and hang out and we could have a listener appreciation trip and, you know, do that stuff. And then we would share all the photos with you. You could sit back here and report on things and then maybe I'd have a live show there and you can hang out here. 
Okay. In the studio. That's just a thought. So I don't have anything else on this minute except that I really, really want to go to Wallalaboo Bay or Wallalaboo Anchorage, Wallalaboo Bay and to see the crazy set there and just to be in the Caribbean. That would be awesome, actually. So as I dream of the Caribbean and Curse of the Black Pearl set and hanging out in my room, courtesy of Wallalaboo Anchorage, we'll be back tomorrow with minute 46 of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. And the grog drinking to a minimum. <laughs> Always with the grog drinking. <laughs> People are really going to think that you're just I know. saucing I'm really, it up I'm really here. not. <laughs> She's really not. That's the wink, it's, wink, it, nod, it's nod. It's water. <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, some people have a flask, like a hip flask. Heather has a hip jug that she carries around with <laughs> rum of, in it. Full of water. <laughs> rum. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Have something to say? then give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. If you like the show, then do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can also contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have post-episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.